What's up, y'all? Michael Lee is back with Live Podcast. Coming to you on July 14th, 2023. Living in the infamy of what we call the internet cloud, whatever void of this world that you want to throw out there that we store data on that will live forever. Yep, that's what I'm talking about. So it's Friday. Thank God for that. Been a fun, hot week this summer. And by the way, this kicks off season six of the Backwards Life podcast. Whatever that's worth. Been going on for years now. But we uh, categorize these things in 13-episode seasons. I don't know why. It just sounded like the right thing to do scientifically and based on Google. That's what they said to do with your podcast. So, of course, we have to obey the laws of the Internet and Google to get to where we are today. Thank you all for joining here. That's enough technical talk. I'm torn on what I was going to talk about today a little bit. But I think something that will really help those of y'all that listen, I want to talk about mistakes made when you're in the outdoors. Or hunting specifically because, you know, when you go fishing, you make mistakes. You may, one may get off, you know, your hook may not have been sharp enough. You didn't hold your rod tip down so the fish doesn't jump. Or offshore fishing, you, you put too much slack in the line using a circle hook. I, I don't know. There's a bunch of different stuff in fishing, but usually in fishing. Unless it's fish of a lifetime, which we all, you know, think everyone that gets off is. You're going to catch another one probably the same day. And if you're in a good spot, you can probably catch another big one. Hopefully, Maybe. But in hunting, we put so much time, preparation, not that we don't do that in like fishing world, but in the hunting world, like it, it all comes down to one moment, maybe per season, maybe as much as I hate to say it, some of us, maybe one time in our life at that big deer or elk or antelope or mule deer or turkey, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, it... it <laughs> I, and I could, I could sit here and talk for probably an hour or two or three or four on mistakes made. That's, that's pretty much how I learned how to turkey hunt was by making mistakes. My Uncle David took me, David Dollar, great man, took me hunting the first time for turkeys, turkey hunting. And uh, we heard a few birds gobble. I saw one gobble in the distance in this bottom with a hen full strut. And then we called a couple hens in right to my boots. I mean, I thought that was the coolest thing. Didn't kill a bird. Didn't, I, I didn't kill a turkey several seasons when I first started. It just, we just didn't have a lot of birds. Sorry, I'm drinking coffee while I talk. Um, <clears throat> but that got me hooked on turkey hunting. And then my uncle was, was a good turkey hunter. But we didn't get to go a lot. So when I got hooked on it and started going by myself with my buddies that didn't have a clue about turkey hunting, I had to figure it all out. I had to figure out when to call, how to call. And I had to learn patience, and I think that's the biggest thing in all this stuff. I mean, one tip of any aspect of hunting that I can recommend to everybody out there is patience. It's hard. You get bored. You want to see results. You got deer, turkeys, whatever on trail camera. You know they're going to be there or they're in that area, and they won't come out, and you just get frustrated, and, you know, you make mistakes. You get down too early. You don't pay attention to the wind. You just get so caught up in the hunt and, and trying to fill that tag that you don't pay attention to details and that's the hardest part too so I, i'll tell y'all a few quick stories of my some hunting fails that i, I really did learn from 
I'll start with turkey hunting. So one of the first things that I learned about, especially turkey hunting in Georgia. Now, turkey hunting in Georgia and turkey hunting in the rest of this country is subjectively different. Turkeys are still turkeys, but they do act differently depending on where they're at, the terrain, the pressure. There's a lot of variables too. But <clears throat> I was hunting here in Georgia with a couple buddies of mine years ago, years and years ago. Um, we were hunting a big clear cut. We were walking down the edge. It was, I think it was, uh, we went that morning. I think we saw some hens. That afternoon we go out. We're walking down the edge of this cutover. And this was where I learned about calling a little bit. Not how to call or what calls to make, but when to call. So we're standing at this intersection of this road, and I get a box call out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call three or four times. Don't hear anything. Three or four more times. Don't hear anything. And we go walking down the edge of the cutover down the road. We get about two or 300 yards. Stop. I'm going to call again. I turn and look, and exactly where we were standing when I called, there was three gobblers standing there. They, they did not make a sound. They came in silent. So I learned right, I mean, of course, they spooked off. They saw us down there and just ran off. But I learned right then, if you're going to call, especially hunting here in Georgia or whatever in the southeast, from my experience, just sit down and give it 15 minutes. Just sit down by a tree, get your gun on your knee, sit there, relax in the shade, call, and sit there 15 minutes. Just see what happens. If they're close and they hear you and they're going to come in silent, a lot of times they'll come right on in especially afternoon gobblers that are lonely. Um, if you give 15 minutes, you hear one gobble, guess what? Now you're in a ball game. You, you give it another 15 minutes, see if they come in. But definitely try that. I don't care where you're hunting. I mean, you could be in Texas and Wyoming and South Dakota, wherever. I mean, that technique's going to work. Patience. That goes back to patience. Just give it around. Give it 15 minutes. Don't run and gun and educate turkeys because we educated them gobblers. No doubt. Now, I don't know. We, I, that, wasn't, that was on my buddy's lease, so I, I didn't hunt it anymore, but I don't know if they killed them or, you know, whatever happened after that. But we could have basically educated them turkeys like when they heard that call, they saw us, they put that together. I mean, I'm not giving turkeys over credit, but that does happen. Um, so that was one mistake. Another mistake um, was I was deer hunting. I'm sitting in a lock on... Um, on a big, big oak tree. I'm hunting a phenomenal piece of property. This was years ago again. I was, I was a teenager. Um, sitting in a you know, pretty hardwood stretch off of this power line. And it's later in the morning. And I look up and, you know, a doe comes across and man, there's a, there's a stud buck behind her. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, here we go. I'm rifle hunting too, but I'm sitting in a stand where I actually face the tree. So my chair is up to my back. Of course, I'm on the side of this tree, 20 feet up or whatever, um, facing the tree, and the deer is going across in front of me. So the, the, the tree I'm sitting on is between me and the buck, and he's only like 40 or 50 yards away. So I've got my rifle sitting across my lap. My barrel's pointing to my left. The deer is coming from left to right. So I've got to pick my gun up, move it to the other side of the tree, and this buck walks out on that side, and then I can get a shot. Well, me being inexperienced and getting in a hurry, <clears throat> I'm too worried about getting my gun up. I'm not paying attention to where the, the, the buck and doe are. They're just walking across in front of me. In my mind, that's what I'm thinking. I move my gun around the tree, and when I get to the other side, the buck's got me. He sees me move. It's a cold, calm November morning. 
He sees me move. He saw me move my gun up there. He looks up, and they bolt out of there. And there goes, I mean, I think the actually neighbor's wife killed that buck, and he was a stud. Um, that's what you learn from your mistakes. My dad always told me, if you can see the black of that deer's eye, be careful. Because if they, you can see the black part of the deer's eye, the deer can see you move. Learn my lesson there. Um, little things, little things like that. You know, there, you can sit here and, and read on the internet and listen to podcasts and watch videos all you want to about scent control, wind direction, stand placement, all these things. I'm talking about stuff that's just, you've got to learn from screwing up unless you've heard it from somebody else. Because if you don't have a teacher to teach you how to hunt, now, my dad's a phenomenal hunter. He taught me more than I can ever forget. Um, and he probably knows still more than I could ever learn. But you can't, like some things, you, it's just like learning to hit a curveball. You've just got to sit in the batter's box and take a few on the shoulder that don't curve. But when it curves, you're ready for it. I mean, that is just sucks sometimes because you're going to make mistakes. Big deer are going to get away. Turkeys are going to spook. I mean, things are going to happen. But it's all part of why when they come together and it works and you feel that tag and you can look on the wall at that trophy and you can take those gripping grand pictures and you can have that meat in your freezer. That's what makes it all worth it. We get a lot of hate on social media in some of our videos from people that don't hunt or anti-hunters because they hear us laughing and like celebrating after the shot. Why? Because we're having fun. Like our plan came together to fill that tag and there it's a rush. And, and unless you do it, you, you know, you can't understand it. And I'm not asking them to accept it and embrace it. I'm just asking people to understand that's why we do what we do. I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand why people eat all vegetables in their life, but that's their choice. I'm not going to knock it. Anyway, not getting on that tangent. We're going back but the mistakes made. So there's another mistake I made. And this is, this is the, the most bonehead thing I've ever done in my life. I'm hunting with my good buddy, Fred Branch. And um, I had this habit, which I've since cured, um, when I was younger when I was hunt, I would get out, of, you know, climb out of deer stand. I'd unload my gun, I'd climb down, but I'd reload my gun to walk back to the truck in case I saw a, a big buck or whatever, you know, so I could prop up on a tree and fill a tag. But I had a habit where, and I'm not saying it was a good habit at all, just it was a habit. I walked back to the truck, I would put my gun in the truck, and I shot, I always shoot bolt action rifles. That's just always what I've loved to shoot. They're, they're really accurate and just fun to me. I would get in the truck and then I would just lift the bolt up and disengage it so that the, it cannot fire. When the bolt's up and disengaged, it can't fire. That's just, this is not possible because the firing pin is not, not there or not seated. So anyway, I disengage and, and I'm sure somebody listening to this will tell me I'm wrong. So yeah, whatever. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine with being wrong. But either way, in my mind, that's, that's the thing to do. I disengage the bolt. So, um, you know, that's what we did. I, we rode around that day, did some other stuff. We'd come back and go hunting that afternoon. I get, get out of the truck and I look down and my bolt on my gun is up. So, all right, I've got one in the chamber, but I don't have the bolt down and engaged. I get out of the truck, close my bolt, walk to the stand. That was a ladder stand. And yes, I should have unloaded my gun before I climbed up in the ladder stand and pulled it up, but I didn't. My bad. I was a teenager, young and dumb. Climb up in the stand, get my gun, pull it up. 
sit down, ready to hunt. I don't know, I've been there 30 minutes or so and I hadn't seen a whole lot. And then I look down this road to my right and I'm sitting on a, a, a road that's kind of a curve around to my right and there's a food plot in front of me and a little patch of pines out there and some hardwoods and it's a beautiful spot. But I look down the road and here, here, here's a, a I see something walking through the woods. And I, I, my first thought is, holy crap, somebody's on a horse. That's how big this deer was. The body on this thing was probably one of the biggest body deer I've ever seen in Georgia. He's walking across out there, and I'm like, holy crap. I could tell it's a good buck, but that's all I could tell. Well, by the time I realized what's, you know, what I'm seeing, he's walked in this little patch of pines. I can't see him anymore. So I get my gun up. I sit, put it on the shooting rail. I get ready, uh, shoulder the gun. I get my grunt call, I put it in my mouth, and I grunt three times on my grunt call, and this buck comes charging out of those pines right in the middle of that food plot, wide open, as pretty as you can please. And I'm down, get him in my scope, and my crosshairs are at the bottom of his neck right there. My plan was to drop him right where he stands. I've done that shot plenty of times. This shot wasn't probably but 80 yards, so I knew I could do it. I squeezed the trigger, and it was the loudest click I've ever heard in my life. It sounds like it echoed over a thousand acres of woods. And I remember looking through the scope and seeing this deer's eyes get three times as big as they are. Like, oh, crap. It's almost like he realized, I got lucky. I should be dead. But this idiot in the tree did not load his gun. Sure enough, I hear the click. I know my bullet didn't fire. I'm working the bolt back, and anybody knows a bolt-action rifle, you got to be really slow and stealthy and try to be quiet with it, but you got to shuck that next round in the chamber. And so then I, by the time I get it shucked in the chamber, the bolt's closed, back on my scope, back on the deer. I'm in the scope enough to see his rear end go into the pines, never to be seen again by me. Load your gun. Check your gun. Be safe getting in and out with unloaded. But once you get and I'm paranoid now. You can ask Fast Fred, he's hunted with me a hundred times since then. I'm checking my rifle all the time to make sure it's loaded. I'm loading it after I get out of the truck, unloading it when I get in the stand, reload it when I get in the stand. I'm checking it. I'm paranoid, OCD, just like my car keys, my wallet, and my cell phone. The gun being loaded is the fourth thing I check when I'm hunting. <laughs> make sure I got all these things right. <clears throat> so with all that being said, load your gun. Be patient turkey hunting. Don't call when you can't sit there for 15 minutes. Don't move on a deer if he can see you, or unless you be really, really stealthy about it. Little mistakes add up. Last mistake I'm going to talk about, me and my good buddy Brantley go out with turkey hunting. Now, I love Brantley to death. He is one of my best friends in this world, like a brother. But homeboy is not the most patient period and he'll tell you that so we're turkey hunting on his place in alabama a few years ago we get we had a great day morning before that you know we killed a couple birds um we go back out the next morning <clears throat> and we're we're in the woods in between two two food plots and there's a few birds they're just there's a few hammering around i'm like man this, this is gonna be a good morning too so we're we're, we're sitting there I said, man, let's set up on this smaller food plot. They can see our decoys off of this ridge, blah, blah, blah. We sit there. Some gobblers come over this ridge. They're fighting and doing all kind of crap, but they're more worried about each other. They go back over the ridge, but we still have a couple birds gobbling to our left. They're pretty good ways off. I call, gobble. I just sit there. 
And Brantley's like, man, let's go to that other food plot. They got to be right in there. And I'm like, man, I don't know. It felt like they're on the ground. They're, they, they might be easing this way. I said, we got to let them, you know, they're, they're still gobbling. Let's let them do their thing. They'll come over here. A few more minutes come out. He's like, man, come on, let's go. I was like, okay, your hunt, man. We'll, we'll do what you want to do. So we get up. We walk back through the woods, sneak down this trail. We get to the, the food plot where it sounded like they were roosted off tobacco, which is a big food plot. Don't hear anything. Call nothing. We're easing back in the woods, just standing there, and the dang turkeys gobble, and they're on their way to the food plot we just left from. This goes back to patience, right? We try to sneak back in there and get right back to the trees that we were at to try to get in front of these birds before they got to the food plot. Well, sure enough, when we got where I could see the plot, there's two gobblers already in the plot. One of them has, looks like my hand hanging down with beards. This turkey had multiple, multiple beards. And I promise you, it looked like he had five beards hanging down. It was the biggest bearded gobbler I've ever seen. But by the time we saw them, they knew the gig was up. They walked off the food plot up the next ridge. That was that. Goes back to patience. Brantley was pissed. I was just kind of, I wanted to be like I told you so, but I didn't, I, I'm not going to do that to my buddy. Um, it happens, though. I mean, that that's part of hunting. Like, this was another lesson learned. Not necessarily maybe on my part, but on his part to say, you know what? We should have sat there. Like, trust your calling, too. If a bird answers you, I'm not saying he's going to come. I'm not going to say uh, his, there's a chance he will, pretty good chance. But I'm not going to say he's going to come, you know, it may, may be hours. But old-timers always told me, if you call and a turkey answers you, some point during the day, he's going to come check that area to see where you were. Now, I don't think that's a scientific proven fact. It may have been, but either way, be patient. Trust your calling. If you get a bird working, he's gobbling. I do believe if you sit there long enough and you keep messing with him, he's going to come. But it's going to be when he's ready to come, not when you want him to. You may have to sit there and work him for a while. Opening day this past year, I was hunting with Anna Vogler, and she never killed a turkey, so I was trying to get her on one. We worked one bird for almost three hours, and he went almost a 360-degree circle around us before he came in. And when he came in, he was right in our lap, and she killed him. Patience. Trust yourself. But when it's all said and done, learn from your mistakes if you make any. Hopefully you don't, but it happens. But also have fun. Don't get, I get frustrated as much as anybody. Just the redheaded temper thing, I guess. But I get frustrated with myself, not the turkeys, not the deer, not other people. It's me. Um, because it's a game like, like playing a sport and I want to win. Yes, it's kind of a life or death sport for the other team, but at the end of the day, even if that bird comes in, gets close, and I don't get a shot, that might be on me, but I still enjoy it. Like, it's all part of the process. It's all part of learning. It's all part of getting better. That's what we're out here to do, man. Have fun with this stuff, but learn, get better. And before long, I promise you, you'll have a bag of tricks going up. I've seen this before. This is what we need to do. And it happens a lot. Bow hunting, turkey hunting, rifle hunting, yeah, but not as bad because you got an equalizer as far as distance goes. Bow hunting is another chess match too. I mean, I've moved when I shouldn't move, couldn't get drawn back, um, you know, didn't anchor right because my elbow was hitting a tree and, and took bad shots, missed deer because of that. I mean, like I said, I could sit here for another hour talking about 
bad mistakes that I've made and a few bad shots here and there. That's not on my, I mean, it, you don't, you don't, it's like when you make an error playing baseball, make a bad throw. You don't do it on purpose. You're not trying to do that. You're not trying to make a bad shot. It just happens. We're human. We make mistakes, but it'll be all right. All right, y'all, don't forget to watch Backwoods Life Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Sportsman's Channel. Hopefully, we'll roll out another podcast next week. Appreciate every y'all, one of y'all being here and listening to The Rambling of Michael. Hey, y'all, it's Michael. Thanks for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. I can't believe this is the first episode of Season 6 in the Tank. Been around for a minute. Thank all of y'all. Hopefully, you'll listen next time.